This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, Season 2. It's a radio show and podcast about the goings-on in our region under the new normal. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Saving animals and educating the public. Those are the missions of Franklin Farm Sanctuary, located in North Waikato. The poultry and dairy industries in Aotearoa kill millions of animals every year. Some people think this is a practical necessity. And that is the view which Sally Hart intended to dispel when she launched the Franklin Farm Sanctuary. WTS paid her a visit to learn more. like to first introduce yourself and how you got into what you're doing. Yes, it seems so random. So I'm Sally, I run Franklin Farm Sanctuary um, and how I got into it, uh, when I was pregnant with my third child who's now almost three, I knew that I didn't want to get back into teaching because <clears throat> a myriad of reasons, um, but I still wanted to do something where I could educate people on something I was passionate about. I wanted to help someone, whether it's people or animals. I wanted a job that would allow me to be present with my kids as well as they're in their formative years. Um, and I really wanted to do more outside. Like, <clears throat> I really enjoy being out in nature with animals and plants or weather. That's, that's my jam. So I, um, with zero farming experience, <laughs> I uh, decided I would start a farm sanctuary <laughs> and just went about learning everything I could. I reached out to Sean, um, who runs the animal sanctuary in Matakana, and she was just an amazing source of information and sort of trained me up in a lot of the um, nuances of rescue farms specifically. And then I have a lot of farming friends in various industries who have taught me the basics and it's it's just a process you know and I'm always learning I love learning anyway um but yeah as I look around now at the property and how much I've learned to be able to do myself um I'm really stoked with how it's coming together and and the sort of vibe that I'm building here um so yeah, so that's how it started. And <laughs> Have you always had this passion for animals? Yeah, yeah, I've always been an animal person and it's, I was a city girl, you know, I was raised in the suburbs um, in Howick, so there wasn't a lot of 
scope for having pet goats and things. But we always had cats and dogs and I at one stage I had cats and dogs and goldfish and birds and rabbits and chickens in the backyard. Wow, that's pretty decent for an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think it came as a massive shock to anyone that I wanted to do more with animals. Um but possibly when I decided when my baby was two weeks old to sell my house privately and move to the middle of nowhere into a house that was a full fixer-upper and do all the renovations myself while starting a charity. That possibly caused some concern in my family, but I'm sure they're used to it at this point. <laughs> you never really could have seen yourself owning a farm then? Not when I was younger. It's something that as I got older, I, I really... Um, I love the whole sustainable lifestyle, you know, growing my own food and I'd like to be more off grid, but built working towards that. And so having a, a bit of property to do that on, that's sort of where it started before I, before the animal stuff came into play. Um, but it felt like a far away goal. But I think with anything, you know, once you can, once you know where you're heading, and you just allow that to unfold and you stay open to opportunities, then in general, it comes to you, mm. you know? You've just got to be willing to see it. You say about the idea of liking the idea of being off-grid eventually, but yeah. I'm sure most people would think this is quite off-grid. <laughs> this is quite out of the way, isn't it? It is quite out of the way. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 20 minutes to the closest supermarket from here. Uh, it's definitely remote, but I'd like to not have to tap into the grid for power. We're already on tank water and septic tanks, which is very standard in a rural location. So it's just getting solar hooked up really. And growing more, a bigger percentage of our food would be wonderful as well. Mm. Yeah. So what's the core ethos of what you do here? Um, we've heard about it, yes. but... There's a lot to what goes on here. There is a lot, and it's sort of evolving all the time. At the centre of what I try to do is, firstly, save as many lives as I can. Um, the biggest number of lives I save is chickens, and we have our next chicken rescue coming up at the end of July, so people can go onto the website and apply to adopt now, um, and they'll get their chickens the 23rd, 24th of July. So we save about 7,000 chickens a year. I know, <laughs> and probably around a hundred other farm animals. They're a lot harder to home. You have to have a very specific type of property for a pig or a goat or a cow, or the, the like. Um, but everyone can have chickens, you know, unless you're in an apartment, you can have up to six chickens in the suburbs. And more and more people since COVID have wanted that sort of those fresh eggs and food security and things like that so and people have more time you know a lot of people are still working from home so they have time to include more pets in their lives which is awesome mm. um but there's a a bigger way we can save animals which is by educating people on food sustainability and what really goes into the food that you're choosing to eat so i try really hard and it is a balance you know um to present those facts but with no judgment or emotion 
Because I know for me, when I ate eggs, I had no idea the scale of the loss of life in that industry. You know, four million baby day old chicks every year are minced alive or gassed. And they're little cute fluffy chicks. And I would never have bought that product had I known that because that just doesn't align with who I am. But I didn't have the facts. And I think a lot of people are in that boat, you know, they don't have the facts. And so then they're robbed of the opportunity to live a lifestyle that is in accordance with the values they already have. try to present the facts and then I just let people do with those what they will and I have no expectation I really it's neither here nor there to me but I think everyone deserves the information and I've had a lot of people over the years say to me you know I didn't know that and I won't buy eggs from the supermarket again because even free range eggs it's the same you know um some of the farms are doing the right thing and the farms that we work with certainly they're doing everything they can their chickens have an amazing life while they're there but they're there for a year and then they have to go and there is only really one place that they can go which is not a happy end for a chicken so um yeah the farms that we work with i now i clear a whole shed at a time when i first started i would commit to a certain number so I'd say I'll get 400 of your 2,000 chickens and I found that emotionally far too difficult you know choosing which 400 get to live and it felt like I was personally sentencing the other 1,600 to death even though I logically know that's not the case but that's how it feels so now we go in and we get the 2,000 and we do less rescues but bigger so it just yeah I can I can see how that works. It's yeah. better for my mental health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which of course is an important consideration exactly. in any situation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, do some of the chickens require rehabilitation when you yeah. take them in? So those are the ones that I have that you would have seen running around when you pulled in. Um, I always say I'm going to rehome them once they're recovered, and when you've cared for a little life like that for however many weeks it takes for them to get better it's very hard to then be like oh off you go to your new home now and I have so many foster fails here but yeah I call them my hospice hens because they're usually the ones who they had been really picked on often especially now that battery farms have shut down our farms that we work with all free range so they one of the um, biggest concerns with that is the bottom of the pecking order hens get like really almost pecked to death and so they just need um time and care and quiet and just space to recover you know good food um I feed them bits of the scoby from my kombucha that I make and nice. <laughs> you know give them like all the good stuff um, and they, they all bounce back, you know, we lose very, very few of the sick girls. Some of them just have a prolapse 
and a lot of these things I've learned to treat myself as well so it, it um, certainly helps when you don't have to take every single one to the vet <laughs> you can do it here and where they're comfortable and they don't have the trauma of travel and stuff as well so basically that's considering the social environment that the chickens live mm-hmm. in when they're on a farm um, even if it's a relatively ethical farming operation yeah uh, <clears throat> yeah they have the literal pecking order that they're in the hierarchy yeah. and exactly. not enough space yeah well this is the thing and when you've got a pecking order that involves a thousand or two thousand hens it's it is cutthroat. I mean, anyone with backyard chickens will know. Chickens, I don't know how the saying came about that if someone's a coward, they're a chicken, because chickens are ruthless. <laughs> they are descended from dinosaurs, and you can see it clear as day. They are absolutely brutal. And even here, where they've got so much space, we still occasionally have issues with one chicken who'll be a bully. And then you have to be very aware of which chicken it is so that you can separate her and then reintegrate her into the flock in a a particular way that breaks that pattern of um, unkind behaviour. And yeah, it's in a flock of 2,000 and where you've got multiple other flocks on the property potentially, it's highly unlikely that even the best farmer in the world is going to notice one chicken causing an issue. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Franklin Farm Sanctuary isn't sort of a publicly known location like outright because I imagine there would be a bit of controversy a bit of differing views yeah, or yes well and also it's my home <laughs> yeah yeah of course, <laughs> of course. but yeah it's it is a funny one and often I find where there is controversy in conversations with people, um, they come into the conversation with an expectation that I'm going to judge their lifestyle or I even care about their lifestyle and that's just not me and it only usually takes a few minutes of, if they're prepared to listen with a view to understanding and not just listen with a view to proving their point. Usually we come to a point where we're like, ah, okay, so, They've usually had a conversation with a vegan who's been really mean to them, you know, and they're just hurt and hurt people hurt people, you know. And usually when you approach a situation with kindness, you can smooth over all of that and get to a point of mutual understanding where you can go, you live your life the way you choose to and you do it in the most authentic way you can in accordance with your values and I'm going to do the same for me and we're all going to be happy. Mm. Right. So you're a vegan? I am. I do eat the eggs from my chickens. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was um, when oh, my eldest was three when we went vegan. And yeah, it was one of those things. We did the one month thing in January and only committed to that. We're like, oh, if we don't like it, we'll just stop, you know, mm. and never looked back. 
So it's a lifestyle that works really well for me and my kids. So, mm. so you don't feel like anything is missing from not eating no, meat? No, not at all. And interestingly, um, my genetic uh, concoction that I was blessed with means I have very low iron and very high cholesterol. And so my whole life I've been told by doctors that the only way for me to live a long and healthy life is to be medicated for everything all the time and they've always said you know we're gonna hold off as long as we can because really you know this is gonna ruin your kidneys but like it's gonna keep you alive and blah 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 and so we've held off and held off and then I went vegan and went for my routine blood tests that I go for from time to time to check that I'm still gonna be alive next year sort of thing and the, the nurse never rang me and usually I get a call like, oh, panicking, like your cholesterol is so high, your iron is so low. And so I rang after about a week. And I was like, hey, I never got those results. And she's like, well, everything's normal. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, that's amazing. I knew going vegan would help my cholesterol. I didn't realize it would make such a massive difference. Um, but I never in a million years thought that my iron would come up to a normal level for the first time in my life when I stopped eating meat. That's really interesting because meat contains iron. It's almost as though the meat industry isn't telling us the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's my body. And for me and my body chemistry and my specific combination of genetic factors, this is the healthiest diet for me. So it makes it an easy ethical choice as well because... At the start, it was an environmental choice. You know, I was an environmentalist before I was an animal rights person. Um, so I knew that this, this way of living was the best for the environment and for the planet. To then find out that it's also the best for my health by so, so far. Um, and then... I'm causing as little harm as possible. And you can, in this modern world, with industrial agriculture being the way it is, um, even the farming of crops isn't completely cruelty-free, you know? And I'm not naive to that. You can't live a life that is perfect in an imperfect world. But you can make as many choices as you can to cause as little harm as possible. And I, I feel like, for me, I feel confident that I'm doing that, which is all I need, you know? Mm. So when you uh, rehome chickens, <laughs> yes, would there be a vetting process? Yes, absolutely. So... When people apply online, they'll answer a whole bunch of questions and submit photos of their coop and the area that the chickens have to roam in. Now, a lot of people think, oh, they're not going to be fully free range. I can't adopt chickens. And that's not the case. I understand that it's not always appropriate. Your property might not be securely fenced for chickens. So you might need to put them in an enclosed run. But what I'm looking at is to make sure that the, the chickens you're getting from the farm that they're coming from are going to be suited to the type of enclosure you have. So sometimes um, people will have a run that's open at the top and I know that this particular farm we're rescuing from has very flighty chickens, mm -hmm. you know, and they are all different and the, the environment they spend that year in 
it really impacts on their personalities. So we have one farm um, that has very, very like flighty, energetic chickens, and one farm that has super smoochy, cuddly chickens. And yeah, it's it's really cool and really interesting. But it it also helps me to match the hens to the right homes. And sometimes we'll get people apply, and I'll say, oh, I don't think your enclosure or your coop is going to be suited to these hens. But we're rescuing from a different farm in three months' time. Would you wait till then? I think those chickens will be perfect for you. And it always works out well, really. <laughs> It yeah. sounds like the chicken adoption process is like a, a, a macro version of adoption of, of humans. <laughs> it really is. Um, because they have unique personalities and behaviours and, and needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chickens, like, I think we find it really easy to relate to other mammals, don't we? Mm. Like dogs, cats, even goats, cows, that sort of animal. We can see parts of ourselves in them. Birds are so much harder to relate to. And even I find that, you know, I, I don't see myself in a chicken. I see myself in my goats. Um, but they are. They, they can recognize up to 200 different unique faces of human and chicken. Um, so they have best friends in the, in the sheds and I always feel terrible that I don't know who their friends are and I can't <laughs> rehome them together and, and they'll have enemies and sometimes you accidentally rehome enemies together and sometimes we have to separate them as well and we'll be like, these two do not get along, we have to swap with someone close by, you know. Um, so it is, it, they really, they do have personalities, they're really intelligent, um, it's definitely, there's a lot more to it than I ever thought when I decided randomly to start a farm sanctuary one day. <laughs> This is a charity, but it's obviously pretty much your entire life now. Yeah, yes it is. Uh, which is what I set out to do and I went in eyes wide open, which is lucky. Um, I, yeah, my whole life is I'm a solo parent to three young kids and I run the charity. I manage this eight acres on my own and I work to pay the bills because, spoiler alert, running a charity, not super lucrative. Yeah. <laughs> I never did it to get rich, so thankfully. Um, so yeah, no, that's my, my life, and I, in between times I garden, and it's awesome, you know? If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life, right? Thank you for listening to this episode of WTS Waikatoa. If you liked what you heard, you can follow the show on Facebook and find it wherever you get your podcasts. 
Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.